What's up, beautiful people? My name is Nathan Kruger, and welcome to another episode of The Outpost, the show where we talk about more of what matters. In today's episode, we are going to discuss the illusion of choice, how rats in a maze are free to choose, left or right. The time has come where we need to ask ourselves whether everything we understand about democracy is rooted in reality or just a beautifully orchestrated fiction that pushes us into the corners that it claims to protect us from. Over recent years, our modern-day popular culture has become increasingly more divisive. From the clothes we wear to the food we eat, what we say or don't say, what we do or don't do, everything has become a political statement. This political division has become so widespread that you'd be hard-pressed to find a person who hasn't lost friends, family, colleagues, or even money over political disagreements. This notion that we have to either pick a side or be excommunicated from society is dangerously radical. Certain groups within our society have considered themselves to be morally superior to others. They have weaponized this self-proclaimed status and used it to silence and control people that are either disengaged or that disagree. They claim to know what's good for you and feel they have the authority to act on it even if you disagree. They will present you with solutions to your problems and tell you that you're free to choose. But what if their solutions for how you should live your life don't represent your values? What if they don't address your concerns? What if they don't accommodate your feelings or take stock of the things that you yourself have witnessed and experienced? Surely you should have the freedom to look elsewhere. Surely you have the right to a second opinion. It would seem that you don't. As a global community, we are in a very unique position. We have all been at the mercy of a pandemic that has forced us to come together, albeit apart, and do our best to survive. In areas of health, well-being, business and academia, people around the world have adjusted their approach in ways that allow them to maintain a level of consistency that is both practical and safe. Having to negotiate and renegotiate how we handle ourselves in the throes of this pandemic is something that I'm sure most people can relate to. We have been made to stand still while a tsunami of information consumes us entirely. The fear-mongering, the statistics, the harassment, the financial strain, the government regulations, all burying us within ourselves. And then, a shift happens. In the stillness of ourselves, we begin to feel an itch. We feel our instinct telling us that something isn't quite right. We tell ourselves that it's because of the stress of the pandemic, but our instinct refuses to accept this answer. This is when we start to look at things a little closer, and when we look a little closer, we begin to see the cracks. We begin to notice that things which were once considered happenstance are now obviously connected. We remember when the government chose to shut down small businesses in an attempt to quote-unquote flatten the curve, while simultaneously allowing massive franchise stores to operate at full capacity. We then remember that certain government officials are shareholders in these franchises. We consider that it's about money and not about public health. We quickly suppress these thoughts as we remember that time we saw people being labelled as conspiracy theorists for asking simple questions. But then we remember the banning of cigarettes and alcohol, all under the guise of public health and safety, after which we witnessed our leaders profiting from black market tobacco hustles. 
We explain this away as moments of opportunism rather than a sinister plot because we're not conspiracy theorists. But this denial doesn't negate the fact that things still don't add up. When we look past the fear and begin to ask questions, we realize that we don't have access to certain information. We notice that posts and articles are being removed from social media. We then start to see this happen in real time. We see entire websites being deplatformed. We see the homes of journalists being raided and we see healthcare professionals being fired. We see members of our society being vilified and excommunicated. We see the Canadian government freezing the bank accounts of peaceful protesters. We even see them threatening to euthanize their pets in an attempt to get these protesters to stop voicing their concerns. We then realize that the government's attempts to silence the protesters only proves the protesters' point. And when we have the courage to ask what connects all these incidents, we realize it's because they all questioned the dominant narrative. They challenged the status quo. We shake our heads in disbelief because this can't possibly be happening. This can't be happening to us in free countries and at this time in history, but it is. When we remember all we have learned about the collapse of civilizations, our panic starts to fester because we notice the warning signs all around us. Censorship, misinformation, fear-mongering propaganda and manufactured division. We notice a small percentage of the population holding the monopoly in areas of wealth, power and information. We come to the realization that when tech companies are able to silence citizens and deplatform sitting presidents, we should worry. We worry because this means that board members of tech companies effectively hold more power than the supreme courts of the countries within which they operate. History has an almost endless supply of examples that demonstrate how damaging censorship can be, whether it's erasing entire cultures and historical events, or simply removing articles that expose corruption. As soon as people no longer have access to all the information, they are unable to make informed decisions. They are unable to orientate themselves and decide what to accept, who to vote for, and what to do with their lives. This comes down to a three-tiered principle information, perception, and behavior. The information that we have access to directly impacts our perception, and our perception then dictates our behavior. This means that by simply controlling the flow and access of information, leaders, companies, and journalists are able to influence people's behavior. For example, if we are warned that an area of town is unsafe, we will most likely avoid it. The information is the warning. The perception is that it is unsafe, and the behavior is avoidance. Whether the area of town is safe or not is irrelevant. The information we have access to has told us that it's not. Whomever controls the information controls the people. During the various tobacco booms, newspapers, magazines, and television were all filled with catchy slogans and happy faces telling people that smoking wasn't only okay, but healthy. When tobacco advertisements had pictures of men in lab coats with the accompanying tagline of just what the doctor ordered, it doesn't take much to understand how manipulative these campaigns were, especially against the backdrop of thousands of doctors coming forward to warn people about the negative impact that smoking has on human health. But that didn't matter, because we can see now that it wasn't about public health, it was about the bottom line. Openly admitting that your product causes any kind of damage to the consumer is bad for business. So, what do you do? You spin the narrative. 
20,679 physicians say Lucky's tobacco is less irritating. You manipulate interviews and data in ways that minimize negative press. This is how you direct the public's perception. People don't necessarily register that physicians aren't in fact endorsing Lucky's tobacco. They're merely stating that Lucky's is less irritating. The connection that people do make, however, is that physicians are commenting favorably on Lucky's tobacco. Every single one of those physicians could have said that smoking should be avoided at all costs. But that's irrelevant because the company got them on record saying that Lucky's formula was less irritating in relation to competing brands. Can you see how it works? Tobacco companies began hiring full-time lawyers whose sole responsibility was to ruthlessly counter any bad press information or lawsuits. This resulted in many people being led to believe that smoking was perfectly healthy and something they could even let their children participate in. When we don't have access to all the information, we can't possibly be expected to make balanced decisions that consider all the variables because we're not aware of all the variables. This is currently happening all around us. The data and resources that we need to have access to in order to make informed decisions is being censored. Leaders have insisted that members of the general public don't have the capacity to think for themselves. Leaders believe that they are in a position to make better decisions and feel that people should have decisions made for them. In the interest of public health, officials have restricted the free flow of information so as not to endanger the public by exposing them to information that the officials label as counterproductive. Leaders have decided that mass vaccination is the best solution to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. They have taken it upon themselves to silence any criticism of this solution so as not to hinder its rollout. Anything they view as a challenge to their solution is immediately censored, distorted, or outright removed. They do this all in an attempt to protect the public from misinformation. But misinformation according to whom? To what standard? Because the arguments against mass vaccination aren't necessarily about misinformation. They're often a request for more information. More studies, more research, more transparency, more responsibility, more accountability. These sincere requests have all been denied and labelled as conspiracy, thus giving companies and communities the authority to deplatform anyone who questions the approved narrative. Case in point, not many people are aware that pharmaceutical giant Pfizer was demanding that countries offer up their sovereign assets as collateral damage. This was to protect the company from any costs incurred by potential civil claims. Among the sovereign assets were federal bank reserves, embassy buildings and military bases. The company refused to provide their product unless countries agreed to these terms, ensuring that Pfizer was to be indemnified against any lawsuits arising from damages or death. Countries that agreed to these terms were bound by non-disclosure agreements, the reason we have some insight into the demands that Pfizer has placed at the feet of countries is because the countries that refused the proposal, Argentina, Brazil and South Africa, went public with the company's attempted ransom. The problem is that not many people are aware of this. And the situation sounds so outrageous that many people wouldn't believe it to be true. But the truth stands, in plain writing, at the end of a specific search. Never promoted, silenced when shared, and fluffed off when queried. It's all starting to sound eerily similar to the dystopian novels and films we all know and love. 
where political parties use a crisis to authorize a regime of tyranny and classism by actioning censorship and propaganda, all under the mantra of for your own good. It's difficult to trust the ideals and solutions that leaders are presenting to us now when they have a history of ignoring all the values they claim to currently represent. What I find even more difficult to understand is how people will openly criticize the inefficacy of our government or the corruption within our leadership circles, yet choose not to apply that same logic to how the pandemic is being handled. They choose instead to throw blame at their fellow citizens. Fellow citizens who are at the mercy of all the same regulations and lockdowns that they are. Understandably, one could suggest that this is an attempt to help them feel a sense of control in a time where so many decisions and opportunities have been confiscated from them. After all, it is said that we embody our oppressor before we forgive them. We are told that in order to escape the pandemic, we can choose to do so. We merely have to choose to get vaccinated. Despite the evidence that proves the contrary, we are told that this is the best solution. If freedom is what we want, Vaccination is what we must choose. Freedom. You are free to choose. Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, Sputnik. The choice is yours. But what if what we want isn't represented in the options handed to us? If our choice lies somewhere else, are we not free to pursue it? The answer is no. People have been convinced that just because they can choose between the options provided, they have, quote-unquote, free choice. These people would do well to remember that a rat in a maze is free to choose between turning left or turning right. This does not mean that the rat is free. Does it have the choice to no longer be in the maze? Some would argue that it does. All the rat needs to do in order to leave the maze is choose the correct path out of the maze. The rat is free to choose, but only free to the extent that its captors permit. True freedom wouldn't even consider a maze, given that being in the maze is a consequence of capture, the result of being caught. The rat should be free to choose where it wants to go and what it wants to eat, but it's not. The rat isn't free, the rat is owned. The rat is governed. I fully respect how radical this is all sounding, and I feel I need to state for the historical record that I'm not calling for the people to overthrow the government in any dramatic capacity. Organizations and regulators are important. They ensure that people remain in check. They prevent people within society from damaging society. They do this in respect to the values that their society collectively embodies. Freedom, protection, and bodily autonomy the very qualities enshrined in our constitution, the virtues that our leaders were elected to uphold. Leadership structures no longer ensure representation of the people. They instead aim to represent the interests of the leaders themselves. The people feel they are participating in democracy by voting or protesting, campaigning and brainstorming, but at the end of the day, we're still at the mercy of what our leaders decide void of accountability and in the absence of empathy. So yes, within the confines of our diluted democracy, we have freedom. We are free to choose. In our beautiful maze, we can choose to move left or right. And in the context of leadership, we can choose to either get stabbed or shot. So, 
Ladies and gents, that was a bit of a controversial one, but we need to be having these discussions so that we know what is going on and we can choose to do better. And on that note, please stay tuned for future episodes of The Outpost.